everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is a very special episode of whatever I call this podcast, either Navel Gazing or Insufferable Bastards. But we're joined by a stand-up comedian, ladies and gentlemen. If you live in Connecticut, you've probably heard him on WPLR, Connecticut's number one radio station. If not, who are these podcasts? He's been a guest multiple times, become sort of a fan favorite on that show. Perhaps you've heard him on Compound Media or his POS podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Pat Oates. Wow. I've done some stuff. I didn't even know. That was nice that you said all that. How's it going? It's going good. I've been like sort of stalking you a little bit, uh, Pat, on social media, because I am fascinated uh, by you and and the fact that you're a local comedian. I mean, you're here. I cover the Naugatuck Valley, and we have a working stand-up right here in the Valley who is trying to bring a comedy scene. Is that too much of a a stretch? To uh, my neighborhood, which I think is great. So I thought, first and foremost, let's talk about the open mics you have coming up in the great city of Derby. Well, um, I'm, my family's from the Valley. So like my, my grandfather and his brothers grew up in Shelton, Connecticut. Um, they, on how ad, they used to, now it's a big like industrial uh, building that's got like yoga mats and stuff in it. But it used to be called Oats Brothers. And it was a trucking company. And my, my, my family ran all that. You used to see the trucks oh, all going through the Valley. No kidding. Time. Okay. I had no idea. Yeah, and then my so my father he grew up in the, in the area in Shelton went to school at Fairfield Prep and did something like that and I moved out of here for a while when I got married and things like that a while back divorced now but I moved away from the area my mom lived in Cheshire so I lived there but later in life came back to the valley and I've been living in Ansonia for a while but went to high school at Derby for one year I went to three high schools in five years I, I did a world tour um, okay but, but I went to Derby for a year always had that tie to it but I've been living here for years and traveling out of Ansonia. So when everyone says, where are you from? Nobody outside of Connecticut knows where Ansonia is or the Valley, but the Valley has got such character. Every town in the Valley has so much real comedy in it, like good, bad, or different. It's a very funny thing to look at. And uh, a, com- a guy who's a comic himself, but also owns the bar and Derby retro bar, Gary Petnella had been doing comedy for a little bit. It stopped doing it for the run of business wanted to bring some comedy back. It's five minutes from my house. So we figured do an open mic there, try to do it weekly to get not only comics to come to this area, but also for the, the weird characters that we know of the Valley that would love to go up and tell some jokes and never try to do it. No one knows how to start doing comedy. So sometimes you just come to a mic. And then I was looking for other places, three buildings down, Riverwalk Social was like, we'd like to do a mic. So we're doing there once a month on Mondays that might become weekly as well. And Retro is going to open up their back room to us, and we're going to be doing a monthly comedy show. It might even turn to weekly, but a monthly professional comedy show with working comics on Saturdays as well. And you have coming up, I believe, on October 15th at Retro, uh, a birthday show. Is that correct? Yes, I'm I'm. I'm whoring myself out. It's, 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 it's my birthday. So I figured it's a way to get some people to come, but it's a great show. One of my longest friends in comedy, John Romanoff, who grew up in Milford, he's been doing comedy. Him and I knew each other before comedy. I've been doing it 15 years. He's like 12 or 13. We met working at the Lowe's in Milford orange area, like 18, 19 years ago. He wanted to get into comedy once I started. So he's been doing it. He's done a lot of things for the Treehouse Comedy, which was a huge staple in Connecticut comedy forever. He Brad Axelrod, Brad. right? Yeah, yeah. Brad only managed like three people, and John was one of them. 
Okay. Uh, so he, he would take care of comics too. And he loved John. John was just on PLR last week as a guest. I've known John forever. So I thought for a fun birthday show, have John. There's a very great comic out of uh, Fairfield area, uh, Megan Harvest. She's going to be on. And a local kid from Shelton, Andrew Al- of um, Alfredo. He's going to be on as well. But just a good way to come out and see that place and have some fun. It's going to be a great night of comedy. Yeah, and I think it's great because there was some comedy. I mean, I'm no comedy nerd or anything like that, so I don't want people to get it wrong. But, like, there was comedy bubbling up locally in the Naugatuck Valley a couple of years ago. Uh, With Treehouse, they were doing stuff up at the Strand Theater. Uh, Artie Lang came through at one point. Nick DiPaolo came through at one point. And then COVID seemed to put a stop to to everything, but especially in the Valley. So it's nice to see that this is coming back because it's definitely, I think, something we need, you know, yeah, we Naugatuck need things to do. Naugatuck actually had a club for a little bit because that club comedy was- Oh, uh, no kidding. It was it was there, like, you know, they they had a, a caveman holding the club. Uh, a comedian, Dave Riley, who's tours all over, he's from Naugatuck. Him and the guy who owns the bar I'm doing the comedy at, Gary Petnella, ran that club. So Gary's keeping his tie to it. And years ago, I used to run Joker's Wild in New Haven, Connecticut. That was the oh, sure. Comic. I was the general manager there and the house comedian before I became the house comic at Foxwoods Casino for a while. I used to run that, and that was the closest comedy we had. And it was great to have that local thing, but I want to even kind of bring it closer and turn Elizabeth Street and Derby into this weird comedy mecca. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's a good point. It is Elizabeth Street and Derby. It's the heart of downtown Derby, you know, right next to the green. You got a and bunch the- of churches, a parking garage, and a couple of bars. You know, well, you can't if you've ever it. been to that courthouse, it can be hilarious. So it's like it's perfect <laughs> right there. So. Oh, I've spent plenty of time uh, uh, in Derby Court. Uh, then my, my basic reporter question is, how'd you get started in comedy? Well, it's funny you bring up Naugatuck. That's the first place I ever did comedy. Um, and I didn't mean to. I was a guy who was told by my friends I was always funny. Comedy's always been my defense mechanism. Like Some people cry at funerals. I make jokes at funerals. Some, some people, you know, I always use comedy for everything. So my friends have always found me funny, but never thought of doing comedy. But a buddy of mine that I'd known through college and stuff, one day he said to me about you know 15 years ago, he said, hey, let's go to this comedy contest they're having at the old Melissa's in Naugatuck. It was like a firehouse, type, right behind the firehouse. There used to be a bar there. They're having a comedy contest. The judges were the owner, the owner's father, and a girl they were both trying to sleep with. That was the, <laughs> the judges. And they sat, at, yeah, they sat at a table, like American Idol style, as me and my friend went to go, I thought, watch a comedy contest. The fry cook was in it. A magician was in it. And a guy who just lost his job and needed a hundred dollar prize for the three contestants. But they said there was four, which I didn't know. My friends signed me up for this contest. The other three went up. They made their jokes, whatever. They announced my name. I looked at my friend. He's like, you can do this. I made fun of the smell, which is on Route 8 in Naugatuck. I made fun of the judges. I made fun of all the local dumb things. And I won a hundred dollars that day. And my friend looked at me and goes, you're better than three people. That's a start. I went to my space. That's how long ago this was. Yeah. I, was li- I was living in the Simsbury, in Simsbury near West Hartford area in Connecticut. I did a seven mile radius search of comics around me, found this Connecticut comic named Linda Bell. I said, well, how do I start? She pointed me to open mics and I've, I've been addicted to it ever since. Yeah. What's interesting about you, I think, is that you're a guy like the POS podcast, uh, it, which is available on Patreon or on YouTube uh, after the fact, after it goes to Patreon, I guess. You have all kinds of different comics on, and I, I'm a I like I love listening. I don't even know why I love listening to comics talk about comedy. You know, it's uh, it's just very interesting. It's inherently interesting to me. I mean, I'm thinking like you had like the ski mask guy on a month he's a, ago. He's a lunatic. That guy. He moved well, from Texas to here to be closer to the comics he liked. 
hasn't really pursued comedy or hasn't really done anything with it, but wanted just to be closer to how much he loves it. He just left everything. It's crazy. He had such a, he was so honest with you. He was, you know, just talking about trying to break in and, and maybe some drinking that, that, that went awry uh, to say the least. So it's a really good podcast. People should check it out. But what's your take? This is again, a reporter question. A couple of weeks ago, Joe Rogan, it made sort of the news, at least on, on uh, Connecticut Twitter, said, well, you know, Connecticut is this hopeless place. It's a terrible place to do comedy. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Any well, truth to that? Well, first of all, when him it, when he was on with Sam Morell and they were talking about Joker's Wild, it was funny because I ran Joker's Wild. Now, they were Oh, I didn't realize they were talking about your club. Okay. On that one, when Joe talked, when Sam brought up Bridgeport later, that wasn't Stress Factor. That was the Bijou Theater. Um, okay. I know like a local comic in Connecticut, Dan Cal White was on that show. So like, he's like, he's like a Valley guy too, Cal White. But um, the, when they were talking about that, they were talking like they were talking about the same people, but there was two owners. The old jokers used to be on crown street back okay. in the eighties. That's the one that like that uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Lisa Lampanelli, people like that would come down and perform at Rogan came down to later on the same owner owned the name jokers, but a different owner owned the building that was on Worcester street that I ran. That's the one that Sam Morrill was at when he had all the, when, when the fight happened and the gang stuff, both happened. Um, Connecticut can be very weird. Uh, I'm, I'm from Connecticut. I want good comedy to be here, but it's a combination of people thinking, well, it's not New York. It's not Boston. So the audiences kind of look at it as, as like minor league baseball, but also the comics kind of look at it like, well, I'm just trying to get good enough to go to the majors. And the ones who end up doing really well in Connecticut, like our, our legends, Billy Wynn, Johnny Rizzo, people that they, we have some great young comics like Giancarlo Biondino. There's some really funny, great ones out of this area too. But the guys who, and myself, screw that. Anyway, um, the when you're working very hard to like build your own stuff, you forget about like territories and like the Jersey name. Like I'm not from Connecticut, I'm a comic, but it puts more pride into what you're doing. So I think if we focus on these younger comics who are coming up to go, no, this comedy is just as good. It doesn't matter what your mailing address is. There's comics who moved to New York just to have that P.O. box. So they say they're better, but they're really from Greenwich or they're really from Naugatuck or they're really from Danbury. So it doesn't really matter where you're from. But those audiences don't know how to be audiences because they don't watch great shows because a lot of the local shows that get put on are rough. Mm. So when a Rogan shows up, they're excited like it's a band. They don't treat it like comedy. They get fired up. When a Sam Morello comes in, they're like screaming because they watch his podcast, but they don't know how to behave. It's like when someone scores a touchdown and spikes it and dances. It's like, act like you've been here. Unfortunately, Connecticut crowds sometimes don't act like they've been there. So when I host shows, I start the beginning of the shows by telling the audience, grow up, be better. You know what I mean? Act like it's a date. You know, That's interesting. Attention. I had Shuli on a couple of weeks ago awesome. uh, when he, when he appeared to go to, to, to the Fairfield comedy club. And I was relaying a, a story. I saw the killers of comedy in Milford. Right. Yeah. And it was like at a municipal building. Right. It was such an odd setting and it was exactly what you're saying. I mean, I was, I was guilty. I'm going there thinking it's like a party, you know, debauchery. And Shuli comes out and he's basically, everybody shut up, you know, sit down. We're trying to put on a show here. So it's interesting. So I'm, I'm totally guilty of that. Connecticut audience become young teen girls in the comics or the Beatles. That's what happens. And good, bad, or different, they think they can just yell and scream, whatever. It, 
it's all okay. We, we're fired up people. We don't have anything. We had the Whalers years ago. We don't have that anymore. So when we do get something, we get really fired up. Think about it. I mean, that kid from East Haven was on American Idol. Everyone acted like they gave a crap about East Haven. No one likes East Haven. East Haven <laughs> I don't know East, where it is. Yeah, East Haven is is, is like Jersey Shore light. It's, it's the worst. But like, but I'm kidding. They're fine enough people there. But they get excited. Heck, when I do stuff with Chaz and AJ, when they go up here, people freak out for that thing. People don't know how to handle minor celebrity. Yeah, Chaz and AJ are, are legit local celebrities. Right, because one of them, I mean, our Chaz is from, or AJ, I might get this wrong, and I'm going to get a million comments killing me. One of them's right from Shelton, who's like, he's very involved in everything uh, locally, and like people absolutely, how'd you hook up with them? Because you're on there a lot. Well, I I, I originally hooked, I now work at the station. I do part-time radio for a PLR as well. I, I started off with the Fox, I got there, but I only started that a couple of years ago because I was a guest on their show all the time and liked and fell in love with radio. But with them, I got hired once again, Brad Axelrod, Treehouse, thank goodness for him. He always hooked me up with stuff. He, they were doing a roast of local radio superstar, uh, the Wigmaster. When he, they were doing a roast of him, okay. Brad, was, Brad was booking it at Sports Haven in New Haven. Big venue. They had a bunch of people from the radio station. They wanted some comedians. Brad said, hey, I know you're pretty good at making fun of people and kind of being a savage. I know you don't really know the radio people, but do you think you can do this? You got me, John Romanoff, a local comic named Mats Plaza from Stanford area, a very funny guy as well. And we were the three comics on it. And I went up. I went a little harder than anyone else did. I did some research. I brought, I, I learned a lot of stuff about Mike Lapatino and some restraining orders he had on him. When I brought that up, the audience popped. He looked at me like, what the heck? But afterwards, Keith Dagan, who's known as Boss Keith on the when he's on the morning show, Keith is literally the boss, the GM of everybody in the stations. He was there. He said to me, dude, you're hilarious. We got to get you on Chaz and AJ. I sat on once. Chaz and I had a good rapport. He likes that. I, Chaz and AJ both love the fact that I yell at the tribe when they call in. So all, <laughs> because they're like, they can't. You know what I mean? Like, because it's their tribe. They love that I do that. I started coming on all the time. They had me on a whole bunch. I just started really enjoying it. I've been part of their last three toy drives that they do. It's an awesome event uh, there. I'll be, I'll be again a part of it this year. I've dressed up like a, an angry elf twice, and I dressed up like AJ's hernia last year. So like, I'm always something different. But they've been so gracious and great to me. But I fell in love with radio. So I said to Keith, how do I get in on it? He goes, if you want, he goes, you have personality. We, are, we can't teach that. We can teach you the radio. So I've been doing part-time stuff. I filled in for AJ last year when he did the hernia thing. And another local comic uh, from Ansonia, Alyssa Goji, who started off, she's hilarious. She started off at Stress Factory. She's now there too, working for the radio stations. And I think this week she's filling in for Ashley, who just left Chaz and AJ. So Valley's taking over with comedy all over. Oh, no place. kidding. Yeah. How, how many nights a week are you out? I mean, I, I'm, we're Facebook friends. And like I said, I, I cyber stalk you. And you're like, you're, the, you're a busy dude. Like how many weeks uh, or how many weeknights are you out? As many as I can um, with the podcast too. And trying to do the other stuff. Sometimes it's hard. Like Tuesdays, I don't go and do stuff because I record, but I record two episodes of my podcast a week. We do it. Me and Bobby Tamboro do it on Tuesdays because Bobby's busy with his compound schedule as well. You know, he has to make sure the clan's all intact over there. I shouldn't use the word clan, but anyway. Um, <laughs> he was the subject. Kevin Brennan's mad at him. I was listening to Kevin Brennan last night. He was going on a rant about, I don't even, but he got Bob Levy mad apparently, but that's neither here nor there. I, I love, I've never met Kevin. We were on a podcast together, but Kevin always speaks wonderfully of me, but never says my name. I love, he's always like, that guy from Connecticut. I hear he's funny. I'm sure he's a nice guy. And he always says, and he always says I'm funny, which he is. Kevin Brennan's a brilliant mind. But anyway, so I try to go hit mics whenever I can. A lot of comics after they get for a certain couple of years into it, 
think they don't need to work on their craft anymore. And you watch guys get boring. And like, I love comedy. I love performing, but I love creating jokes. I love being on stage. I'm more comfortable on a stage than I am talking to someone one-on-one. Like just, mm. it's just who I am. I'm not, I'm, I'm way better in front of 500 than two people, but, and it's just how I feel, but like, I love being there, but I also love being amongst young comics who care. I always relate to, I wrote a, I'm not trying to plug everything, but I wrote a book called how not to suck at comedy that's on Amazon. And I wrote it based on when you want to start doing comedy, all the comedy books that are out there, like when you're on Johnny Carson or when you're going to be in a movie or when you're going to write a script, it's like, that's not comedy. Comedy is mm. how do I know how to go to an open mic and take advantage of it? How do I know if I'm getting paid? How I'm So I started going back to the mics more and more and writing articles on it through prep staff. They took the articles, we turned it into a book. Um, and that book is on Amazon and it, t- it walks you through the steps of trying to be a comic because I have that love for being there. And I, whenever I see young comics doing it, I get that feeling like when rock, when Apollo took Rocky to his gym, you know, and he saw the eye of the tiger. I want to see young guys struggling and doing poor. That's why I want these open mics. People should come see it's to me. We all love reality shows. We all love watching from begin- how things develop. We love origin stories. I'd love to watch a comic come watch an audience or come watch someone work on a joke and then watch them perform at a Connecticut show two months later and go, I remember when that joke sounded like this and it wasn't ready and now it killed or watch this guy develop and become it's fun. And then you can also just do it yourself. So I try to hit mics whenever I can and obviously paid shows to pay the bills too or whatever I can. Now, what's interesting to me is, you know, I, and again, I'm not a comedy nerd, but a lot, I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts hosted by comedians and they're, in my opinion, a lot of them kind of look, they're not saying that they're not saying they're out there to support young comics and to start an open mic. It's almost like they they close the door behind them. You know what I mean? So that, that seems unique to me. Uh, how did the first, I mean, I guess you already had one open mic. Was it last night you had the first one in Derby or? No, actually the first one was last month. We're, the one at last Riverwalk month. we're doing once a month right now to test it out. So we're doing the second Monday of every month at eight o'clock. We put the sign up sheet at seven. It's what you think it is. It's uh, when the open mic happened, the problem with young comics and open mics and older comics, open mics, it's not a show. So you have to get out of your head. It's batting practice. If you're a sports fan, you you can go there and people are like, well, I don't like to fail. Like, well, you can't fail in batting practice. You can strike out six times, but it doesn't go against your record. You can hit six home runs. It doesn't go towards your stats. Same thing here. It's practice. It's working on it, going there with goals. So the, I always tell venues, like when I said Riverwalk and the retro, I'm not going to, we're not going to sell the place out. I'll get 10 to 12 comics to show up. They'll probably buy two drinks each. They don't have to, but they but you but how's your Monday or oh, Monday's poor. Well, I'll get you a couple hundred more dollars and you'd only have to throw me. I don't charge. I mean, I'll tell anyone out there. They want to do it. open mic. I charge 50 bucks to do this. I bring sound. I don't care. It's not, it's, it's, it, I only do that because if I have a show and can't make it, I want to pay the guy who hosts for me 50 bucks. Like to say, Hey, thanks for doing something, whatever. And I'll keep a couple bucks myself for showing up. But it's as simple as it is. If you do karaoke night or trivia night, it costs you more than that. I'm getting people to show up in an audience. We got the chef who was at Riverwalk. When he came out, he invited, he told his friends, come on down. There's got, there's comedy. So we had like eight or nine people just laughing and joking with us. And cause it's a loose setting and open mic, they can heckle a little, the comics get work on heckling back with them. We're joking around with things and it's, it's just fun. And it's an hour and a half and just people having a good time. There's no cover to an open mic. So you if you want to just have fun laugh at the beginning of the week, you don't have to pay for it. And it, it, it's a nice support. Now we did it last night and we had more comics that showed up inside the last time. It no does kidding. help that my name's known a little bit. So they'll come out at least and see it. And it helps that I'm saying to them, Hey, if you guys support this mic, you young comics, it gives me a chance to see you 
And then when I'm booking my Saturday show at retro, I might think of you guys being on the show and getting a chance to be in front of a paid audience and give you a couple spots. And that's what I'm going to use that show for to develop these young comics and give them longer sets. So you can see them working like stuff, but also giving them that chance because no one's giving them that chance to do 20 minutes or so. And I host those shows. So I'm trying to develop comedy, like almost a minor league type thing to get it going. So they're ready for the local clubs in the area. A true community. Where's your home club? Do you have something that a place you consider your home club? Yeah. Comics at uh, Mohegan Sun. Comics Roadhouse. I've I've known that the Browns are amazing. Um, That family is great. Uh, Mark and uh, Mike own it. Their son, Ryan, is a comic himself. And that you probably heard of his stuff. He does all the breweries in Connecticut. So uh, Comedy Craft Beer is the logo. I mean, I think he literally does comedy shows at like 25 different breweries in Connecticut. And he, he was during the pandemic, he was the guy putting on shows for anybody else. He found the outdoor parts of it venues. He brings, he's putting headliners that do stress, that do comics, that do funny bone at his breweries. Like he's huge names and stuff like that. He's really worked that out. They've been great to me. I was a house comic for them. I had to move to Ledyard for a year and be up there. That was about like seven, eight years ago. I won their comedy contest called Last right. Comic Standing, and I had to beat like 200 other people. And that, and that really, that kind of, that that put, I mean, that's where I had first heard of you with all the press and the media coverage of, of that. And that was like, what, 2015 or so, right? Yeah, and I, um, they've been doing that contest for 11 years. I'm the only person from Connecticut ever to win it. So, oh, no like, kidding. Yeah, everyone else is Massachusetts, New York, Rhode Island, Pennsylvania. They're from all over. They get... They get like 200 something participants every year. It's a great contest and a lot of fun. And I was able to, it's many rounds. It goes for months, but I'm the only one ever to win. It's just, I'm excited for, but every year when the young Connecticut guys get in, I pull them aside to give them advice because I don't want to be the only one. I want another Connecticut guy. We had two young guys who made the semifinals this year. Mo Musso, who's blowing up Boston and Connecticut, and Chris Warren, a very funny comic out of Connecticut, who are starting to work real hard, but they made it that far and they're only three or four years in. So I'm liking the crop of guys getting better, you know? You're so magnanimous, Pat. This is really like a, I love so comedy. They share yeah, the same addiction as me. You know what it, I mean? Like it's uh, it's it's like your enthusiasm is is, is beaming off the screen. Yeah, it's it, we all love the same thing. It's not competition. There's a million goals to the to different places. You know, it, I, I, one guy's not in my way. A door's going to always be open. Shows will always be there. We get too competitive. It's it's a solo thing, but we all speak the same language of comedy. We want to make strangers laugh, which is a sickness. We're trying to make people, especially in this day and age, because we're trying to understand what you think, what other guys think, and it's so, and people believe that there's censorship. There's not. It's on your it's on your internet. It's only on Twitter. It's only in the internet. You go to a comedy club and someone pays money and you go to Comics Roadhouse, you'll see the best comics in the world saying the worst, most terrible, but hilarious things you ever heard in the audience's hooting and hollering. Because in real life, we just want to laugh. So why don't I, why wouldn't we want to support that? We're all these guys, we're all at the end of the day, all we want to do is take our dumb thoughts and make you chuckle. Like, how do you not support that? That's interesting. And yeah, it, I, I do feel like, yeah, we need it more than ever. I mean, I was just reading something. I think I was on Reddit and it was somebody had posted something like, you know, the, the whole world wants to beat up the rest of the world. It's like, we're yeah. all in a perennial bad mood. I don't know if perennial was the right word, but, uh, like and that it. brings me, that brings me to another thought. Like you're not on Twitter. Nope. Right? I left it in August of last year, which, and I, I can I respect that because I mean, you know, I'm a local news reporter and I have to manage a Facebook page. Right. And even that, like I, just a week or two ago, like I am getting alerts at, at two 30 in the morning, uh, you know, people fighting about whatever, whatever issue. Yeah. 
And it's just like, man, this is like, it affects my mental health. I'm like, I'm sick of it. I can't take it anymore. 24 years of this. I'm getting angry at this. I don't, I don't need this. But so, the greatest comedy in the world is in the Derby and Ansonia Facebook community page. Well, I don't care. That's, that's my gold. I, I actually use some of those stories on my POS podcast. Sometimes. Oh, really? Can oh, you, yeah. can you, can you, what's one that, uh, is there? Oh, for, okay. Talk about the format of your podcast, I guess. I will, but real quick. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, go I ahead. I don't know go if ahead. you paid attention to the one in, there was a fire on, a, on uh, Caroline Street. I was there. Okay. Well, somebody shared a, a bitmoji of saying, oh, there's a fire. But the bitmoji was of them holding a cake and balloons. And it said the fire. So they so must have forgotten sense. to turn it off. So that will be brought up on tonight's podcast. Like I will be talking about how I actually talked to my therapist about it. I was like, I can't. <laughs> my mom is not doing well. She's in the hospital. I'm not doing it for sympathy. I, but and I, I care more about this woman and why she did a bitmoji than I do about my mom being ill because I'm like, that's the real problem. Like was, is there still a birthday party? Is that the fire to hurt it? Like what, what, why do you have cake? It's a fire. But the fact that she shared that most communities would just say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry about the fire in that thing. Everyone's like, you're stupid. Why do you have, cake? <laughs> I, that's why you... I love the Valley because the Valley doesn't give an F. You know what I mean? We are all just like, Hey, screw you. I'm going to tell you how I feel. And it's wonderful to watch them all fight about scooters was, and, and everything else in the world. It's great. Oh, see, I have like, I mean, some of that stuff, it just, it just kills me after a while. I feel like it eats at my soul. And that very story, I shared a GoFundMe for the victims of the fire. And I woke up on whatever morning and there, a fight had broken out over a GoFundMe thing. Cause yeah. I was just like, mm-hmm. and then I'm just, I, I can't take it. People fight about, They're about like, everything. GoFundMe's but, racist. I'm like, how? It's like, <laughs> well, it was like, yeah, I don't even get it. The go, somebody, somebody, somebody misinterpreted the, the purpose of the GoFundMe and the person that had said he had donated got really offended and it went on for like, 16 posts and i don't know i i, I just that, that's that type. why i want to put on comedy shows because those people need to be entertained <laughs> and distracted from the internet they need to get out in front of people again there was just a thing angry. in the new york times this morning where somebody said some columnist or opinion writer was talking about he or she's bipolar i don't remember what their what their sex was or gender or whatever but they were talking about how their bipolarism is uh, again not a word triggered by social media and then, then all these these uh, uh studies to how it affects your your mental health and i'm asking all this because yeah you're not a guy on twitter and my feed for my i, I do a podcast called Instuffable bastards in addition to this work podcast yep. where i just follow other comics and it's just comics arguing with each other stuttering john stuff the uh like, like kevin brennan pat dixon all that kind of stuff but you're like you got off it what made you get off um about a year and a half, A, because of, and we talked about it, people don't know, Anthony Kumi has a network called, uh, you know, the Compound Media, and they were very cool to me. I've been a guest on that, his show, I think 11 times, and that was like in a three-year span, and it's cool to sit next to a guy who had legends like Burr and Norton and all these people, and uh, Patrice and everybody, who would let tra- trade barbs with him, and in fact, that he was like, oh, you're quick, I like you being on here. I, I got to sit there one time with Dave Landau, who's like a killer comic, Jim Norton and Anthony Cumia and just go back and forth with each other. And I'm like, that was amazing. But what that also does is if you remember Opie and Anthony and their type of fans, they are a bit manic. Like they, are, <laughs> they, they get really, you talk about the Derby people were saying like Valley's excited at a whole different level. And those people sometimes think that that's what's happening with Twitter and all social media. I think it's because we all just want to be liked and approved because now the world knows we exist. It, People didn't want that when we didn't know existed. We just kind of stayed in our tribes. And now because like I need attention because I'm here and no one's paying attention to me, 
anger gets you more attention than love. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So if you say, even if you like me, I have people would, and I didn't catch too much crap, but like, it'd be people that'd be like, you know, you weren't funny on Gumia. You mumble. You sound like a mentally ill Seth Rogen. Like that's a one I get a lot, but especially my lap, which whatever. It's like, but like they will say all these weird things, and it's just like they do it so they'll get my attention. But I, why would I give that attention? So I would just block them, and then they would post things, and I get sent. Oh, uh, okay, gotcha. Me. And I'm like, when I would sit there and read the news, I'd go on Gumia or I'd go on PLR and I'd look at that or I'd look at Reddit or something, and it like. I had a great appearance. People like it. And I read it and everybody wants to crap on me. I'm like, I'm feeling bad, but I'm just sitting in my kitchen. Yes. I have, nothing's happened. So you're speaking to me. Why am I reading this? I don't, I don't know these strangers guys from Australia are getting mad at me, yelling at me about an ex-girlfriend of mine that they don't know. And I'm like, how is that? How do you even know that? And it's like, A, at the beginning it was flattering. Okay. You, you're thinking about me, but after a while that goes away. And not that Facebook isn't angry, but I can control Facebook. Facebook, I can, I've, I've cut down, I had 5,000 friends. I've got 2,000 now. I've cut down 3,000 people. I made my newsfeed a newsfeed, like an old school newspaper. I read the books yeah. I liked. My newsfeed is things I like. I read the derby stuff. I read your things like, because like I enjoy it. But like that, that this, Instagram's an easy one to filter people out. Facebook is not even open as a comic. It should be open to the public, but I don't, I keep it like, so if you're not my friend, you can't comment. You can see it, but that's about it. That's but it. I left Twitter because it was just too angry. I never slept better. I'm not kidding. For the last year I've slept better. There's no anger there. I, it, that was my only confrontation. I quit drinking six years ago and that stops a lot of anger if you don't know that. But so like when I got feeling better about myself and working out and doing things like that, I didn't need that one little thing getting me mad all day. So once that went away, like your mind clears more, you can be more creative, you enjoy things, you listen to people more. Instead of waiting for a fight, I don't have to know about it. The no, emotional hangover, that crazy emotional hangover yeah. of social media when people like flying too close to the sun. That's fascinating to me. One thing I wanted to ask you about, Pat, because there is, and I messaged you beforehand, yeah. you had that initial, uh, who are these, po if people don't know, I don't know if people in the Valley listen to who are these podcasts, but it's a podcast that trashes other podcasts, right? And I, my insufferable bastards was briefly mentioned uh, and rightfully so. Like we, I had, I had called out, uh, I said, I didn't like Carl for whatever reason. And they tore me a new one, right? Which was, but it was funny. I, I got to admit it was yeah. funny and they were right. And it kind of, I've now listened to the show religiously, but I went back and this is how I like really uh, started stalking you. I listened to the first episode that they did on, on your podcast. And it was, I believe it was like another iteration. And again, I don't know if that's a word. POS, it definitely is a word. And POS was not the thing yet. Um, that one was called Pat Oates is Sad. That's and it was interesting to me because, all right, so listening to, to, to them, it was like you were almost reading, you were in a dark place, it sounded like. And you did, it was almost like a, a, a Dear Diary uh, episode where you were talking about frustration with other podcasters and how you were like, and I totally identified with it because it applies to my job that, and maybe it applies to every job where you have just these frustrations about, well, why, well, what, why are people paying attention to that? Like I'm trained in this, I'm trying to die, you know, I know how to use a microphone and it was just, but it was, and then listening to WATP joke about it, it was like, 
it was like watching cancer form. You know what I mean? It was really a dark, dark uh, episode. And I, I, just, I like that you said joke about it. They tore me a new one. Yeah, I'm being, yeah. Well, I don't want to, again, I don't want to, the last thing I want to do is like insult WATP because oh, they got fans too. Forget about it. You're dead. Their, their following is insane. Like you said, people in the Valley, I had people that I haven't talked to in years message me going, hey, your last episode on there with Shuttering John was amazing. I'm like, how do you even know that podcast exists or whatever? But what happened was I didn't know anything about the podcast. Carl also has a tie-in with Compound Media and Anthony Kumi. Kumi yeah. loves that because Carl, what they do is they do, he's very smart. They make fun of all kinds of podcasts. People suggest them a podcast. They trash it and tear it apart. But to make sure people listen, and that's not, that's not good enough, but the way to get people to come in, their clickbait, if you will, they constantly every week make fun of Opie from Opie and Anthony or Stuttering John. Yeah. And, those, and those two rabid fans, the Stern base and the, and the Kubia base, are going to listen to that. So then you get you on when they do that. So somebody suggested me. They trashed my podcast. Someone shared it. I saw um, Carl the week before they were going to do that. I saw. Oh. I met him for the first time at Kumia. We were on together, and he said to me, "He goes, hey, I'm." He messaged me. He didn't say it there, but he messaged me after and said, "Someone suggested it. We're going to do your podcast." I go, "Hey, you guys do you? You know what I mean?" So a week later, someone shared it to me. I listened to it, and I laughed my ass off. Did you really? Okay, so you it were was like funny. They were trashing me. I, I trash people. I, I could take a joke, and some of it was an eye-opener. Like you said, I was in a dark place. I was sounding a little bit petty. I didn't think I was, but I was. I was also rambling. I had, I used to have a co-host, this kid, Brandon Smith, and I didn't have him on those shows for a while because I was just doing my own thing. He was going off doing something else. So I was just ranting like Bill Burr, but I didn't have that skill or talent. I didn't know how to do that yet. Or even, I'm not saying I do now, but I still wasn't good at doing a one-man podcast, and it was droning on. They took clips. To this day, they still use me going, your podcast stinks. That was yelling at people. And they used that clip in their theme song. So I retweeted it. I was on Twitter at the time and I shared it on Facebook. I said, I got trashed. This is hilarious. And then people, fans of that, started messaging me going, Holy crap, you're sharing it. I'm like, it was funny. And so, and I, I, all of a sudden, I started seeing I getting follows on, on my Apple II, iTunes and things like that. And people messaging going, I heard you on there. And the, the fact that you embraced it is awesome. And then Carl messaged me and said, dude, it's really awesome that you're cool with it. I'm like, that's what you guys do. No kidding. See, that's amazing to me. I thought like it, that it didn't hit you. You, you, were, you were immediately like, okay, this is, this is no, all right. And I, and I go, and I'm making some changes. And then he listens to it later. He goes, it's really he goes would you want to come on? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be fun. And then when I came on, he, what he does is he, the guest, he sends you like a preview or like, at least here's what we're going to talk about. You guys do says, homework. Well, they, I guess most people don't. I'm, as you now have been talking about comedy, everything, I'm a, someone that researches, I go hard, I get into it. So like, if you give me a project, a roast or something like this, I was listening to like 20 episodes. So I was sending him like ideas I had. He's like, oh my God, you're prepared. So when we went into the first one, I was ready to trash every little thing, my suggestions. He was like, dude, this is awesome. And um, from, from that other podcast that are like branched down from his, like the Who's Right podcast. And uh, I don't know if I can swear on this or that. Poopy song of the week. It's, it's, All right, there we go. Word. Yeah. Okay. There's another. No, I don't one. have to edit. I appreciate that. No, no problem. But it's a, the S word song of the week. They crap on songs and things like that. They did those two. Uh, they booked me right away off that, saying how good I was as being a guest to make fun of their stuff. They do, and I started to get like in a different world of the compound people and different fans coming on, and then more fans to my podcast. 
But that's when I was approached by Compound Media to do a pilot, which became POS. They didn't pick it up because we did it right before COVID. Okay. And everything shut down. But that wasn't even Bobby Tamburo. That was me and my 80-year-old buddy, Frank Margallo. And we do what the podcast is now. I go along with short, short, short. That made me change while I was doing podcasting. And I, I was like, I need a format. I need a way to do things. So them give me the kick in the butt. I've now been on their show five times. People are saying one of their favorite episodes ever is the last one I did. With yeah, the, yeah, and I can, I, John. Yes, and 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 I can I can verify that because like yeah, you look on like either Dabblers Anonymous on Reddit or the WATP subreddit there, and yeah, Pat, Pat, like I think you're probably are you the only guy that I mean I don't know I'm probably speaking wrong, but yeah, you went from being a subject of WATP to being like a fan favorite, which is quite an arc. I, uh, I, I think they might have done it one, more than one time, but I've been okay. told that I'm the arc that the fans like. <laughs> like I, I'm the one that, cause they're like, people have done it and I'm not trying to do it harm, but no one's done it and been as good as a guest. And, and, right, and come on. Right. Both. Like been, been a subject that got trashed still has no problem with it. I laugh when they play the clip of me in, in my voice and still making fun of it. And it's great. Like even this day, it's all about having fun. Carl found a thing he could do. He's good at that thing. He's a good dude. He was very, he said to me, he goes, Hey, I'm going to let you know. He didn't have to warn me. They were going to crap on me. He could have just done that. But mm -hmm. he had a passion. I go, that's what you do. As a comic, I don't like to be censored. So why would I tell someone else they can't do what they do? And it was good. It was funny. It was, if I, if they trashed any other podcast that I listened, I would have laughed at the way they trashed that other podcast. So that's what I listened to. I listened to it like an episode and I wasn't me and I took notes and I enjoyed it and I laughed and I've had a great time being on there. And their fans are awesome. The reaction I get from them is great. But like I said, people message me, friends of mine from like high school, like, dude, you were on WATP, crash and on stuttering John. That was quoting me and stuff. Heck, Kumia went off on a rant and so did Chrissy Mayer based off my episode I was on because the stuff I was talking about when Stuttering John was trying to rip off people with leukemia stuff. So, <laughs> And you had a good insight. Like, I, I think you were talking about his, how he's not really a comedian, how he was, uh, actually, I'm getting it wrong. He was no, sort no, of inside. Was, you had you brought a really good perspective to one part of the whole Stuttering John well, The uh, big part drama. was the, the bar thing. He's in a bar. And yes. People listen to see it. But like, That's I, what, okay. when I ran, before I ran a uh, comedy club, I ran, I ran bars and I was a bartender and stuff. And I was, I, I used to bartend in Westville, Connecticut, uh, New West Cafe when I was, I went to Southern Connecticut. So I played rugby there and I bartended. So that's a little tiny, oh, room, but I would deal with that's all what it was. Trash. Okay. So you, you were talking all, the daytime people, the day drinkers. <laughs> and John to me was like a day drinker. So not only were we being funny, but I was making like real points and like uh, all his speak and what it really meant and how she had the real, the bartender had this bartender. Listen to the episode. It's great. But basically, the bar he's stalking the bartender worse than you're stalking my comedy career. So he was like, following her around. That's right. It's such it's such a thing. And, you know, and also that, I mean, hey, I know, uh, you know, I've probably done that in the Valley since I moved up here. Right. Uh, but, but anyway. Yes, but, but this, because you went back to your question before that. So the format I chose, I like alliteration. So POS is the name of the podcast. It means what you think it means, piece of whatever. But it also stands for Pat Oates Show. And what we do is me and Bobby, I took Bobby on there, but when I did the format and, and you, if you go, if you're subscribed to compound media, you can still see the pilot. It was a good one on there. Um, I actually talk about my one TV appearance. And I make fun of myself in my own thing, but like the, um, the whole thing is we take trending stories, not political. I don't like to go through that. Mostly mm -hmm. stories from the New York post. Cause the New York post is a garbage paper and everything in it is just basically a woman watching YouTube or TikTok and reporting on it. And we take those stories with guests 
and now we're having because of compound i now have guests and porn stars i guess they're also guests but like it's a weird world we're having on the guest side <laughs> it's very that, eclectic your guests are yeah they're it's very eclectic and we um and i read a story and then we try to find out who the pos is in the story so we banter and have fun but also the format has helped and carl's like hey i like this podcast and without carl doing that in watp i wouldn't have seen like hey this isn't watchable it was therapeutic but it wasn't watchable I, but I also knew nobody was. Not that we're killing it now, but it's moving up every week where our subscribers are getting bigger, our listens are getting bigger, and it's getting more attention and stuff. And I'm just having fun doing it. So That's awesome. So where can people find out, uh, find more about you, find more, find more about the uh, open mics that are coming up? Is there anywhere you want to direct people? I mean, by thousands me on, of viewers of the Valley Indie Podcast. You can follow me on Facebook. I mean, like that that's the best place to follow me. I, I, and you friend request me too, but if I don't know who you are, you can probably just follow me. But either way, you can see everything. <laughs> but but basically the, the best way to do it is if you live in the valley, come to an open mic. Just come watch, have fun, ask questions, come see a comedy show. If you want to see, okay, he seems funny on here, but maybe he's just a guy who thinks he's good. Because a lot of people think people that book comedy aren't funny. I'm I oh point, really because it's kind of like a great coach usually wasn't a great player. Those who can't teach kind of thing. Okay. So a lot of times guys who end up booking comedy clubs and booking shows are doing it because they couldn't get on shows in Connecticut. There's not enough comedy. So to, I always tell young comics, I get it. There's a stigma, but here, if you want to get known, you need to have some place where people will know you. So if you're a young comic, go to a bar, approach them, get a budget, put on a small show, book things, other comics from other states, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, around us, New Hampshire, New England's very, they all go back and forth, but they know who you are if you're on a show. If a flyer's on Facebook and Twitter, they see it and go, oh, wait, Pat Oates is on like four different flyers. He must be good. I'll book him in Maine. It's as simple as putting on a comedy show. If you don't have places to get better either, make your own places to get better. And you learn the other side of the business. So then when you do comedy clubs, you're more respectful. They like you, even if you're not as funny as other guys, because you understand both aspects, how a show runs, how to be respectful, to respect the time, to respect how the show goes. If you're just a guy who does comedy, you don't get that other side. You can come off like a diva. So Hmm. that kind of thing helps a lot. So come on out, see a comedy show at Retro. We're going to do every Thursday night, eight o'clock is the open mic. Once a month on Saturday, October 15th, we have a show set up already. And the uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving, 1126, they'll be at Retro. I have event rights for that. If you follow me on Facebook, the links will be there. If you want to go to another one, on Mondays, Riverwalk Social, the second Monday of every month. I talked to them last night. We might do it weekly starting in the new year. But either way, right now be the second Monday. And But either way, just find me on Facebook or, social, or Instagram and ask me. Hell hey, Pat, yeah. I'm interested in comedy. And I'll, I'll talk to you. Pat, thank you so much for taking the time and for bringing comedy to Derby. That's awesome. And the Valley. And I want to bring more here to this area. If people are listening here, I'd like something in Ansonia. Good stuff's happening in Shelton already. Guys like Stefano Sanzo and uh, people like that are putting on stuff in Shelton. They've got a lot of stuff. They don't really need a ton there, but I'd like to do it there. Seymour doesn't really have anything anymore. Mm. Then once in a while, they do things with the Strand. But like a small bar fun show would be good or open mic in Valley. Nogatuck. Beacon Falls, have you ever done anything in your life besides I went to kindergarten there? But that's about it. Let's do something. Let's do a show. I drive by it. It's trees. It's trees on Route 8. Right. But inside those trees, there's little bars, there's little restaurants, and there's a cow patch. So let's do something. All right, Pat. Thanks so much. Thank you, man.